0: This is the Coot Cast, episode four. Hey Rippers, are you learning to surf? We're just trying to get a little better. Come on, who hasn't walked into the bagel shop with their wetsuit on? You don't have to admit it out loud, but my friend Johan Kugelberg has no problem to. And from his humility, you can learn a thing or two. If you've ever cooped it, or just like to laugh when other people do, stick around because this podcast is just for you. All of you that shred the gnar know how us surfers love to spot a kook, but don't panic because we all kook it. So hang on to your swimmies and get ready to learn. The Kookcast is here to lead you on your journey out of kookdom, one story at a time, and hopefully offer you some traction on this slippery slope between kookery and killing it. I'm your host, Coach Chris, from the surf coaching and education program, The Surf Continuum, where I work personally and virtually with surfers to cultivate proper technique, fundamental skills and education on how to read waves, so you can surf properly. This episode of the CoopCast is sponsored by Adam Marr, a super cool clothing label with a laid-back style of tailoring and fabrics that tick all the boxes. Natural, organic, environmentally sound, and USA-made. Every piece is a reflection of his appreciation for the natural world, from fabric choice to dye technique and manufacturing. Check out his sweet little shop in Montauk. It's on South Erie Avenue, just off the circle, across the street from the old movie theater. Today I sat down with my guest, who's also a student and friend, Johan, to listen to some of his kooky experiences endeavoring to surf, and how he learned many things the hard way. It was during this interview I made the discovery that my skills as a podcasting host are quite beginner, and it was especially obvious to me when I sat down with a refined gentleman like Johan. Understand something, I wasn't totally fooling myself. I knew going into this that Johan's intellect, cultural references, and general comments frequently fly way over my head. But we weren't halfway through it when it fully hit me that in that very moment, the kook was not Johan, it was me, the podcast kook. It's irony in life that keeps things interesting, and what a good dose of it for me to sit down thinking, oh, this is my podcast, and I'm going to lead a discussion with surfers about cooking it. Nope, that's not how it went at all. The tables have turned, and in this particular scenario of conversation and thoughtful expression, Johan took the wheel. And what a humble beginner surfer, whose eloquence to talk about his kooky experiences greatly outshined any kooky mishaps he describes. So once again, we see the case of a kook who doesn't fully discover he's a kook until he places himself in a situation that is far beyond his ability. Except this time, that kook was me. In this episode, the student becomes the teacher, the host becomes the kook, and the listener gets to do what you always do, sit back and laugh. Let's listen to a little background and how Johan came to discover surfing at a later age in life.
1: So if I'm going to bring up like some of the darkest most dismal surf memories I have, who could be a better person to bring them up to than you? (laughs) Um, You know, I I came to this really late. I surfed for a little while when I was in my early 20s in Sweden. I had the opportunity to go surfing a few times and I liked it, but because of geography and because of, you know, lifestyle choices or just life, I didn't pursue it. I was a pretty good skateboarder and I was a pretty good skier too, but surfing was not on the sort of agenda. And when I moved to the US thirty years ago, my goodness, um, it just never fell into place that I started surfing. So I didn't really get into it until about seven years ago, eight mm-hmm. years ago, something like that. Yeah, there seems- Where I just decided that it was time to have a you know, another gentlemanly middle aged pursuit. Instead of collecting wine or playing golf or buying a sports car, um, I thought, all right, I'm going to really, really give this my all. Because, you know, one thing when you're older, you can certainly ski, but you can't can't ski like a hot dog. Because if you wipe out, then you'll break something, you'll twist something, you'll really, really screw yourself up. And also, I see enough middle-aged skateboarders to realize that I would never want to be one. I... I had a good window of skateboarding. I started in 1976, and I quit in 1999, but the reason I quit is a different story.
0: Okay, okay. Let's hear this next story. Johan buys a longboard in St. Barts, hires a surf instructor, and he's ready to have a go.
1: So, we used to go to the island of St. Barts in the Caribbean, where there's sort of like spotty C plus surfing if the conditions are decent. And it is all reef surfing. So what do I do? I go to the local surf shop. Mm. I buy a cheap longboard for like, you know, 200 euros, 300 euros, something like that. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to give this a shot. So the reefs in St. Bart are covered with sea urchin. And uh, what they don't tell you when you wipe out as a beginner, even on like a little like one puny, puny one or two <laughs> foot wave, is that you have to get into the beach again from the place where you wiped out that. So I stepped on sea urchins and I put my hands on sea urchins and they, they hurt like demons. And the local guy I knew... Who surfed and who was like a typical like amazing short curly Curlicues and spin in the air and you know zero ability as a teacher naturally Who would like take me out once in a while he would go there is only one way To get rid of the sea urchin spikes you have to cut them with a knife (laughs) and then he took out like a big bowie knife And I had sea urchin spikes on like both my hands were covered and they'd swollen up to look like mittens And my feet were, like, really, really swollen. And, you know, literally, Tom was the guy's name, and he was right. You had to cut them with a knife. (laughs) Because, you know, you couldn't just sit there with, like, tweezers and, like, pull out these little spikes. So I would sit there in, you know, the beautiful Caribbean sun with this goddamn knife and just dig out the spikes one after another. And the pain was, like, unbearable. So... I repeated this, like, a few times in, like, my very early beginner days as a surfer. And, you know, walked barefoot on coral, you know, all of, like, the most terrible, terrible, terrible stuff imaginable. But I didn't give up. So one of the things that's interesting...
0: While I was sitting there and listening to Johan's stories, there were a few things he said that that sent me off wondering. If I had been a good host and triggered this articulate answer from Johan, what kind of question would I have had to ask? And now my mind's really wandering, and I'm standing behind my own name on the game show Jeopardy. And I'm giddy because all the topics are asking about Johan's surfing career. Chris is ready to make his selection from these categories. Let's go with... ma, no hands for 500, Alex.
1: When I realized that this was something that I wanted to pursue, I did the typical midlife crisis, easy way out. How do I figure this out? I went to a couple of surf camps in Costa Rica. The waves were really, really kind. And the instructors do one thing. They push you into the wave. Chris, what is
0: not learning how to surf? You're right. I'll take wipeouts for 200, Alex.
1: So I catch the wave. And, you know, I'm stoked. It's like pure stoke because yeah, you're sure. in like a six-foot wave that's like a really, really slow, epic, like 60s surf movie wave, yeah, and yeah. you're on it, and you're know, <laughs> kind of riding it. But the nature of this wave is that once you start getting close to the beach, it's just going to slam you. It's mm-hmm. just going to throw you. It's just going to totally destroy you. So that was my first... Profound wipeout where I actually got to experience what it feels like to have the force of nature just squash you (laughs) against the sand.
0: Chris. Who is the surf instructor that doesn't teach a proper dismount? Correct. Of course I'm correct, Alex. The dismount wasn't a thing with beginners until I started demanding my students do it. Well, at least they tried to. You can do it without Whoa, I just realized I'm zoning out and Johan is still talking. I'm starting to come back to Earth and he's talking about his lovely wife and how every surf movie is the same.
1: And when he puts it that way, I can't disagree. The funny thing is I used to come out to Montauk like every summer for years and years. And our friend Paul owned this beautiful house out here. So we would stay there for a while every summer. But I never did that like transition into surfing. But then mm-hmm. when Lila and I met in December of twenty fourteen, I started coming out together with her. The first summer that we were out here together was twenty fifteen. And we did like, you know, poor quality, embarrassing surfing together because, you know, the good Lord smiled at us and ascertained that as a couple we were gonna be on exactly the same level, <laughs> surf quality wise. You know, so it's not like I'm an amazing surfer and she's a terrible one or she's an amazing surfer right. and I'm a terrible one. We're both categorically terrible and really, really enthusiastic. About it. <laughs> well, that's something I admire about you too, your uh,
0: tenacity and, and just vigor about it, your learning. You know, I think a lot of people later in life tend to kind of give up on themselves, you know, or make excuses. And I just really love that about you guys, how you go at it so hard and strongly and, and really... Or studious about it, even you know, and care about your learning.
1: You know the odd, the odd thing. So, I have never have never in my life watched a surf film before. I met Lila. That's right. That's right I remember. You, you know, I'd, this. I'd never even seen like Endless Summer. Like yeah. nothing, <laughs> Completely blank. You know. Then then you know, with Lila, who's like a really enthusiastic and really social person, I have gone to like numerous premieres of surf movies with like famous surfers I've never heard of present and so forth. Mm-hmm. And so you see all these surf movies, and they're pretty much always the same thing. It's like, you know, it's like beautiful nature. They're uh, like a bunch of white people milling around with like, you know, ethnic groups in like a third world country. Right, right. Um, sort of soulful hippie music. And sooner or later, like one of these surfers will start attempting to express his his or her soul innermost <laughs> and kind of like right. a spiritual awakening kind of way. So all these movies, are, it's kind of the same movie over and over and over again. And, you know, they're frankly not that entertaining. But you see, like, great surfers doing great surfing in all these movies. You see, like, these magical tubes where these extremely skillful athletes do these dynamic maneuvers. And that is where it's really good to be an inept middle-aged surfer because that is the moment when you can look at them and go... I'm not going to compare myself to like one of the greatest athletes of our time mm-hmm. who is the most skilled at his or her craft. When I get bummed out when I see surf footage is when I see like really good surfers acting like total jokers and getting out in like 1 or 2 foot waves on foamies and just doing like unbelievable like really messed up, really complicated tricks in those kind of conditions. Those are the only times when I look at them and I'm like, damn, I would love to be able to do that someday. And that is part of the drive of trying to like, you know, get better at this at like some point. There's no rush because I'm not going to be in triple overhead tubes at any point soon in this life or potentially at all. But, sooner or later, within a few years, I'm gonna be on a two-foot wave on a foamy and being able to do like really elaborate and ridiculous tricks on that foamy, on that two-foot wave.
0: And it really comes down to the fundamentals and understanding how the fundamentals in surfing are so important, which as you know, I'm always preaching them, paddling technique, your board control skills and your stand-up, they're all the foundation of this excellent surfer that you so desire to, to be able to do. Ho, 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 hold your horses there, buddy. I'm going to stop you right there. Sheesh. Trying to step out of silence and contribute some sort of deep knowledge. Let's just cut me off right there and cut back into Johan talking about how he enjoys the life of kookery.
1: I'm, I'm 53 years old, so whenever I hear about, like, any of those kind of cultural taboos, my entire... Being yearns for walking into Goldberg's in a (laughs) wetsuit. I love that. Or like wearing like, you know, fucking pink flip flops in the dirt lot. Or like, you know. (laughs) Or the towely, or or, change towels. Or change change towels. I'm like all for all of that. Mm -hmm. Lila claims that in order to pursue those kind of like thorough kook moments in a non ironic way, you actually have to become a good surfer first. And I would argue the merit of. Acting like uh, it's it's a tricky one because you can probably do kook. You know, there are kooks that do it with panache, and there are kooks that do it with zero panache whatsoever. And also, you know, we're in Montauk, so we're certainly seeing guys in their like BMWs, you know, pulling up into the dirt sure. lot with their boards sticking out and like.
0: It is kook you know, paradise.
1: Yeah, you the, know what I think it is. And um, Danny did that like unbelievably hilarious movie with Tin as well. That was absolutely. I must say, when I finally saw that movie, and obviously I respect these two gentlemen as creative types and artists and so forth, I was a little sad that I wasn't in it. And I was sad that I wasn't in it as a true kook. You know, that like I would have stood there in Goldberg's unaware of my wetsuit and my pink slippers as I was reaching for a sesame flagel. <sighs> and that kind of like unaware them. I think is a little bit holy in, in the sort of, you know, Allen Ginsbergian holy fool poetic kind of sense. It's hard surfing in ditch because, you know, it's so crowded, there are so many people. And I, you know, as a not very good surfer, I sometimes find myself getting more annoyed at skilled surfers acting like jackasses than like unskilled surfers acting like jackasses because you know if you're coming out for the weekend and you're trying it out for the first time and you're renting a board and you don't really know what to do and you're all enthusiastic I think those people need to be shown some love and yes the pot is calling the pot the pot but when when you see, like, really skilled Montauk surfers, like snaking beginners or getting in the middle of a lesson or any of that, you can understand that they feel entitled to their beach and their wave, but there's also something kind of whack about that, I think.
0: So that wraps up this episode. If you know anyone who'd like to be on the CootCast, let me know. Email info at thesurfcontinuum.com. Remember, there's two U's in vacuum and continuum. See you next time. You.